Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and today is Open Line Friday. We'll take your calls on any subject, 888-528-2557. On Fridays, we'll let you change the subject if you want to, and uh, we'll answer those calls. Maybe you got a Bible question, something about the news, something you want to ask me, anything at all, 888-528-2557. Let's get started with uh, some of the things that are going on with the uh, the Twitter machine, and uh, more and more is coming out. And I think there's a, there's a wisdom to sort of wait to see, but you know, what kinds of things come out and where it goes. There's stuff coming out as we speak, and I've only had a moment to to look at it. But yesterday there was quite a significant dump of information that talks about how many people were banned from Twitter, unable to present their opinion about different things. This is Dr. J. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. Dr. J. Uh, Bhattacharya, I think is how you say his name. But he is a professor of medicine at Stanford University, a very well-respected doctor. And he, it turns out, his name was on the banned list. So this is what was released yesterday. It came out from uh, Barry Weiss, who is a reporter, uh, an excellent reporter who's been going through these Twitter documents. And uh, this is his response to learning that his account had been what's called shadow banned. What that means is that people are not seeing what he's posting, but he doesn't know that. So that the, the people behind the scenes at Twitter said, we don't want people to see what this guy is saying. And so they're going to suppress his discussion. This was his response. Yeah, it feels like some novel from the 1950s where um, the House Un-American uh, you know, committee is like meeting to to, uh, to decide uh, who to who to suppress. And, and I, I'm some sort of like movie star from in Hollywood that they're blacklisting because I'm a communist or something. Uh, it's ridiculous. And it really hurt public health. If we'd had an open discussion, Laura, the schools would not have closed in the fall of 2020. If we had an open discussion, the lockdowns would have been lifted much earlier because the data and evidence behind them was so bad. Twitter, by suppressing scientific discussion, harmed science, harmed children, and harmed the American public. Uh, and I really do wonder uh, how I ended up on a black. I joined Twitter in 2021, in September 2021. Who, who told Twitter to put me on a blacklist? I really want to know. That's an interesting question. So uh, that is Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, I think is how you say it, or something like that. I'm probably butchering it. But he's a professor of medicine at Stanford, okay? Uh, he isn't some guy who's got a little clinic in his van down at the beach. All right, this is a this is a respected doctor. He is somebody with a lot of information. But here's the, as far as I can tell, here's the things that were probably his, his sins during the, the COVID uh, he was talking about, he was came out against mandates. And this is 2021, last summer. He said, we shouldn't be mandating everybody get the vaccine. Now, his opinion about the vaccines is that they're very, very effective for older people. That if you're older and you're in the high risk group, that it absolutely is saving your life. You should go get one. But if you're younger 
and I think he's talking about you know under 65 or so, they probably aren't doing much, if anything, at all for you. And he doesn't think anybody should be forced to do that. That was one of the things that he was saying. He also advocated for bringing kids back into the classroom as early as fall of 2020. And we know now that kids being out of the class was something that was very harmful to kids. We've seen the statistics. And so a lot of what's happening here, and if you're if you're not familiar, just back up a little bit. And you're, you might be wondering why this is in the news. Um, Twitter is a social media program, and uh, it is it is a place where people can post their opinions. It's meant to be a place for uh, the public sphere, for information. Uh, for a place where all all points of view can be shared. This is Twitter founder Jack Dorsey talking about this. We need to constantly show that we are not adding. Hold on, here it is. First, I want to step back and share our view of Twitter's role in the world. We believe many people use Twitter as a digital public square. They gather from all around the world to see what's happening and have a conversation about what they see. In any public space, you'll find inspired ideas, and you'll find lies and deception. People who want to help others and unify, and people who want to hurt others and themselves and divide. What separates a physical and digital public space is greater accessibility and velocity. We're extremely proud of helping to increase the accessibility and velocity of a simple, free, and open exchange. We believe people will learn faster by being exposed to a wide range of opinions and ideas, and it helps make our nation and the world feel a little bit smaller. This was uh, Twitter founder Jack Dorsey giving testimony in 2018. And what you need to know is by 2018, there was already a lot of controversy online about whether or not people who were um, particularly conservatives or people who espouse a Christian point of view – would are they being banned from Twitter? Are they being what's called shadow banned, which is meaning that you can post stuff on there and share your opinion, but they're making sure that nobody sees it. And you don't know that this is happening. You kind of suspect it because there's interaction that normally happens and then it's not happening and you kind of think so. Um, or is that just a coincidence? Maybe people don't like what you're saying and they don't want to interact, right? There's a, there's a, So people were beginning to suspect that maybe Twitter people were banning points of view that they don't like, which goes against what it is that people said Twitter was for. Now, there's there's always people who go too far. In fact, you know, I'll just say it when we talk about social media all the time, Christians, you know, some of you might have been banned from Twitter because you were just outright rude and calling for violence and asking to, you know, you should be killed. And people say the worst things online, even sometimes Christians. Sometimes I cringe. And when I go to somebody's profile and I say to myself, please don't say a Jesus follower, please don't say anything about Jesus. And sure enough, there's uh, I love Jesus and I have something of, you know, Bible verse or something. In the meantime, what you're posting is uh, I hate you and you should all go to hell. And, uh, you know, we should burn your house down and your dog should die. It just, we can't be that. And there are some people on social media who do that on the on all sides. They do that. But Christians for sure shouldn't do that. Maybe there are some people who should have their you know accounts turned down. Certainly people who are advocating for violence, I think, to a certain degree. The problem becomes when who gets to be the judge of what kind of speech can't be said. And what happens if it turns out that one side is saying, you know what, you're not allowed to say things from a political point of view that we don't like. And that what we're going to do, particularly in the era today where we say, 
you know, words are violence. And what that means is words I don't like or don't agree with or that, you know, go against my opinion, that that is equitable, equitable to equitable. I think I'm making up a word here. If it's the same thing as violence, we can't do that. Um, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I don't know if you follow the story or not, but I think one of the things that we should be thinking about is is what happens when somebody's voice isn't heard, when somebody is um, unable to speak, particularly when they're speaking the truth. And some people have been blocked from Twitter, and we're seeing the evidence of this. So it's what's happening is Elon Musk purchases Twitter for $44 billion. Um, and I want to point something out, too, that I think is important here. Elon Musk is not a conservative. And, you know, I think we need to be just all of it. If you're kind of in favor of all this, I'm glad all this is coming to light. I think I think this is important for the national conversation. But don't make Elon your hero. OK, or any other person. OK, your hero. Your hero is uh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is always the hero. He's always the hero of the story. And Jesus tells us that, you know, people who are on the side of truth are on the side of Jesus said that to Pilate, and that's something that we should always be on the side of truth. So that's the good part about this, is we're learning some of the, the truth that's out here. But don't get too, uh, you know, on one side, okay? Barry Weiss is another person who is putting information out. Matt Taibbi, these are, these are reporters who, for 2022, I think they're great journalists. And they're also people who are further on the left. Uh, Barry Weiss, for sure, I think, Matt Taibbi. But they are digging into what's true here. And what they're saying is, is, hey, I don't think these things should be that we shouldn't be stopping opinion. Uh, they're saying, and they're they are pointing out, and there's a whole group of people that I'm rooting for who are pointing out that, and we've known this for a long time that journalism is uh, almost dead. Barry Weiss uh, was a writer for the New York Times, and uh, she she's on uh, what's that show on HBO with uh, that political show? She's sometimes a panelist on that show, Bill Maher show. Um, and, uh, she is, she has a newsletter. It's called, uh, common sense. It's very good. She's got a new organization that just started called the free press. She resigned from the New York times and in her resignation letter, which you can find online, she says this, I can no longer do the work that you brought me here to do the work that, uh, Adolf Ox described in his famous 1896 statement. Now, Adolf Ox, number one, this was back in a time when people still named their baby Adolf. I bet people aren't doing that anymore. There might be a couple people out there doing that. You should stop. Um, Adolf Ox, he was he he purchased the New York Times and something that you should know also. And he's one of the founders, basically, of the Associated Press. He started, I think it was the the Southern Associated Press in 1890 or something. And then it became the Associated Press and he bought the New York Times. You should know that the way we mistrust the news media now and newspapers, they were just as distrusted back then. And it was pretty terrible. Lots of fake news, lots of bad articles, lots of stuff that just wasn't true that was going on then. This is something that's always kind of a problem with with the the media throughout all of history, right? Uh, You will find that. She quotes him because he made this statement. He said that the purpose of the New York Times in 1896 was to make of the columns of the New York Times a forum for the consideration of all questions of public importance, and to that end, to invite intelligent discussion from all shades of opinion. And honestly, for a long time, even though it always had a bias, you know, maybe leaning to the left, the New York Times for a very long time 
everybody agreed that that really was a good newspaper and that you were getting all sides. You're not today. And uh, she's resigning. If you read this letter, she goes in to talk about how you're just not even allowed to bring up something that doesn't go uh, with the far left narrative that the New York Times puts out there. Now, she's a person who's writing from the inside who herself uh, is uh, on the left of things. So that I think she has a lot of credibility in what she's talking about. But I want to I want us to remember that our heroes are Jesus Christ, not any of these people. All right. And our our place to trust is the scriptures that we should get into the scriptures, we should know what they have to say, and in doing so, you're going to be a lot more comforted when you find out that maybe somebody's not going to like what you have to say. Jesus told us that some people are going to hate you for him, for sharing the gospel. We just need to make sure as Christians that if we're going to be offensive, that we're offensive with the gospel, but not anything else, all right? That we're offensive with the fact that we're telling people that uh, you can't earn your salvation, that spirituality can be as good as you want and you can't get saved. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You got to put your faith in him. Um, His sacrifice is everything you need. That bothers a lot of people because, you know, we want to be good people. I used to know somebody who, uh, she hated Amazing Grace, that song. She hated it because um, she didn't want, she felt like she wasn't a wretch. She hated that that line in it, uh, who saved a wretch like me. I remember her telling me, and she was very upset, I'm not a wretch. I was like, well, you know, I, 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 nobody wants to call themselves that, but, you know, Isaiah calls uh, our good works like dirty rags, and, and you know, not all of us fall short of the glory of God. And, and uh, yeah, the guy who wrote that song was a slave trader. He was a wretch. Um, but even the best among us uh, fall short of the glory of God. We need to know that that's offensive to a lot of people, and that's okay. Uh, it's the truth, and we need to put that out there. But we need to do it in love, and we need to not attach our train to uh, people who might be helping us for a while uh, get the truth out there, maybe an Elon Musk or people like that, uh, and make sure that we're hitched up to Jesus. Are you with me? All right, into that sermon. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. It's Open Line Friday. And we'll take your call on anything that you would like today, things that are in the news, 888-528-2557. Two five five seven. When it comes to the the Twitter thing, I think that what we're seeing is that lots of people's voices are being taken out of the public square. Now, a lot of the the conversation right now is Twitter is a private company and they have the right to present whatever they want to present as a private company. And you got to be careful talking about First Amendment rights and things like that. But what's coming out? I haven't read it much, but what it looks like is coming out today, and what people are asking, I haven't read what's coming out. It's like literally coming out right now. Um, The question is, has the government been working with Twitter or other social media groups, Facebook included, to censor what people had to say about the 2020 election, about the COVID and the shutdowns and uh, all kinds of things? Because a lot of things, there's still a lot of things that people said that were wrong, but there are a lot of things that people said that were right. And the problem when you start to censor people's point of view based on your own opinion is that you start to shut down conversations we need to have. Even even things that put people put out there that ultimately, you know, if they put it out there in good faith, but they're ultimately wrong, we need to be able to flush that out openly so that we can find out what the truth is. It's okay to put forward theories, to put forward ideas that later are showed to be incorrect. But it is wrong and a terrible mistake a terrible mistake to 
shut down conversation or ideas just because we don't like them or just because the worst thing is that they might go against our political leanings or a candidate that we like or, you know, something that gives us, you know, power. We shouldn't be doing that. 888-528-2557. I'm having trouble with my – there it is. You ever have your computer and, like, the the arrow and the mouse, it just doesn't show up. Like, you know it's there, but here we go. All right. Eve in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. How are you? I'm good, Eve. How are you? I'm good. I've called before. I love your show. Well, thank you, Eve. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say I, I, I agree with you, and, and, and you mentioned something uh, earlier about it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I think, and that's the point that I called to make, is sometimes people can't hear the truth because of the way we're saying it. And so, and you mentioned something like some people call words violence. And I could see how some people could say that. Because um, there is something called violent communication and nonviolent communication, mm-hmm. um, but I do believe that the truth is the truth. And of course, someone could say, "Well, what is the truth?" and blah blah blah. But for us Christians, we know the truth, and that's Jesus. And so I agree with you. Like, we shouldn't attach ourselves to anyone. Um, we should attach ourselves to Jesus, and that's our Savior. And I think we should all speak the truth, but we should be mindful of how we say it. I think that's something that we get. As, it's a lesson from Christ for how to do that. He never pulled his punches, but he said things in a kind way. And even when he was angry, which most of the time was at religious people, mm-hmm. he still loved them. And part of the reason he was so direct with the Pharisees, even when he's calling them out and uh, saying, you know, woe to you, um, he did love them, but it needed to be said, but it was very direct and very personal too, not hidden behind a keyboard and a mouse somewhere with a, you know, a I fake agree. sign on name. Yes. And you know, even Jesus, like how he says in revelations, when he's talking to all the churches, you know, he says, I rebuke you because I love you. Right. And I think that a lot of us, you know, we, we come with a lot of our own baggage and trauma and all and what and, you know, all that stuff. But so sometimes we have a, a filter or a lens that's a little smudged. So we take things in a in a way where we take it personally or we feel like um, we're being, um, what's that word, like when they don't, um, when people aren't really like uh, accepting you or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so people get very kind of hurt and they can't hear what you're saying. So well, we, We've become you know. a culture where we have uh, developed a sense of self that says all of us are right and that if you contradict me with something, then you're a bad person, not just somebody who disagrees. Um, mm-hmm. And that leads into sort of the words or violence. Words can be violence, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. That's not entirely true, mm-hmm. right? Like people can't <laughs> hurt you. Uh, with their mm-hmm. words, right? But disagreeing with you or having a completely different philosophical or biblical worldview or worldview, uh, that's not violence. That's just a difference right. that human beings until recently uh, seem to have been able to uh, uh, to deal with. I got to uh, thank you for your call, Eve. Appreciate it. You're, you're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888 528 2557. It is open line Friday, so you can call about whatever it is that you would like to call about. Let's go with uh, Barbara and in Inglewood. Welcome to Southern California Live. 
Hi, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Well, hi, Barbara. I'm a first-time caller. Hi, I'm a first-time caller, and uh, I'm enjoying your show. You seem to be very authentic, and I've appreciated a lot of the calls that come in. I'm an uh, elderly, not elderly, I'm an older African-American woman. I've lived in Europe Europe three years of my life, maybe six years of my life. Anyway, getting back to Brittany, I just want to say that as 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 a person my age, I think uh, Brittany, when she, 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 when she was in Russia before, she had cannabis oil or something with yeah. her. That was a report. She had that before. She won them some championships and something else. So my theory is this. With everything that's going on in our country, someone dropped a dime and said she's on her way. She's made money for Russia, et cetera, et cetera. Someone dropped a dime and said she's, Probably you should probably stop her for cannabis or something. So then she was pitched, she was stopped for that, and of course she had it. Now number two is she's got storms of tattoos. She's got uh, she's a basketball NBA player. She's got uh, what do they call them? Locks, braids, uh, long braids, tons of tattoos. And so right then and there, she's. Um, stamped and and people are judging we all are i'm I'm like that sometimes Mm. but i'm thankful for the grace of god because it could have been my child you know we we don't know what our kids are doing when they leave home yeah and it could have been my child but by the grace of god it wasn't so we've got to be real christians and we've got to know our job description in terms of how we're to be and how we're to accept christ and how we're to to represent him and so I'm just saying that I'm hoping that, you know, had she been, uh, uh, and I'm not saying this because I'm an African-American, but I'm just saying that had she been another uh, uh, ethnicity, or an, uh, an, she, it wouldn't be all of these comments about, well, I was wishing that they would have both of them come home, Mr. Bout and her. But we don't, and having worked for the government for 32 years, there's secret, there's secret information, top secret information, mm. sin witty information yeah. that we cannot know about. Right. Barbara, I have to go to a and commercial. So we, I got to go to commercial, but I really appreciate your call. And thanks for listening to Southern California Live and calling in. So you did, you did just fine for your first time calling. All righty. All right. God bless you. And uh, we talked about in the last hour, talked a lot about the Brittany Griner trade and all of those things. And one of the things we talked about was you, you have to put yourself in the shoes of a parent. And Barbara was just saying, you know, if this were your kid, you know, you, you think about these things uh, very differently. When we come back, we'll, we'll keep taking your calls. Open line Friday. Lots of things in the news. Kristen Sinema switches, uh, leaves the Democratic Party. What does that actually mean? Um, lots of different questions. I've got a question about uh, God being uh, Jesus's father. We'll talk about about that when we come back to 888-528-2557 is the number you're listening to Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. There was an enormous outpouring of questions about censorship. So let me ask you point blank. Does Twitter censor the content of its users? Does it hide what it would consider inflammatory comments, whether they be social or political? Absolutely not. Twitter's always been about controls. People can follow whoever they want. 
And it's our job to make sure they see the most, the most important things and the, and the things that will matter to them. So anybody can say anything on Twitter? The company does not go in there and take certain things out that can be dangerous? Well, there's, certain, there's certainly tweets that promote violence, which is against our terms of service. And uh, people have controls to block and people have controls to mute. But what about the company? Who decides the, the difference between criticism and hate? These are, the, these are the individuals, so you can follow who you want, and if it's something you want to see, you continue to follow it. That was Jack Dorsey on the Today Show. In 2016, Jack Dorsey is the founder of Twitter, and uh, 2016, what, six years ago, there was already a lot of questions about whether social media platforms were censoring particularly right-wing uh, or conservative points of view or Christian points of view, and what we're seeing with uh, the what are called the Twitter files uh, it looks like that's true, and we'll talk about this more a little bit next week. There's a lot of stuff coming out right now. I don't know how big a deal this is unless they really do prove some government involvement. You always have to remember with uh, the First Amendment that the First Amendment is about government speech, but not you know it's not the same if it's a private company. Okay, it's not the same you know if it's in your company's uh, you know internal Slack program where you're saying stuff, you don't necessarily have a right to say what you want in those circumstances. But a big question here, there's there's other philosophical things about a public square. And even though it's private, does the First Amendment begin to apply? I think those are there's some really interesting questions being asked about that. However, if the government was involved, and the suggestion is that the FBI was involved in 2020 and 2021 and 2022 in censoring statements that people were making as false, uh, and especially if those things turned out to be true, uh, then then it's kind of a big deal. So we're going to see if that blows up. Some of it's uh, coming out right now. We'll talk about it next week. What do you think about speech? What are the uh, the things that you can do to speak well as a Christian? One of the things as believers that becomes problematic is sometimes there are things that, that even believers say online that are not truthful that are angry or mean-spirited, things you'd never say. Do you ever find yourself typing something out that you would never say to somebody in person, but for some reason, the anonymity or the wall of the keyboard in your screen, and that person's not right in front of you, you feel comfortable saying that? For some reason, people do. And uh, it's an area where the Bible talks a lot about controlling our tongue, and uh, we need to control our fingertips in the same uh, the same idea. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. It's open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is that you would like to talk about. Uh, David, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, David. Uh, I, are, I have a couple of grandkids. One is autistic. He's eight years old. The little girl is uh, six. And uh, the ADO, he's got a speech problem. Sometimes I can understand him, sometimes he's not. But anyway, my daughter, I'm the grandfather. Yeah. My my daughter has been doing some crazy stuff. Uh, she's supposed to be on some kind of medication, and it's endangering the kid's life. I mean, she's fighting her mother. She's falling out in the streets, and okay. she's had to grab the kids. And a social worker called me last week. And asked me, is she acting okay? I didn't tell them the truth because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. Mm. But I feel like I'm the only somebody left to help those kids out. If I don't do anything, I mean, their life has been in danger. All I mean, she's just not taking care of them right, and she hollers and screams, yell at people. I was on my way to church uh, a while back, and she said she was going to hit me. I jumped out of the car. 
later explained to the kids why I did it. I didn't want to fight your mother. And Anyway, what should I do? I don't know what to do. If I tell the social worker people the, 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 the truth, then uh, uh, they might put her in foster home. Yeah. Um, David, uh, how old are your grandkids? Fact, that's her on the phone right now, on the other phone. All right. Do you need to get that? Can I real quick? Yeah, you go ahead and get that. I'll put you on hold, and we'll come back, okay? All right. Um, you know what? What do you think about that? Uh, I'll give him an answer here in a minute. But you can call up and say 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, Scott. Ted, City of the Angels, how are you? I'm good today. How are you, Ted? Good. You ever seen the bumper sticker? It has all the different faces. It says coexist. Yes, I have seen that. Well, I say coexist, but never insist that my Lord and Savior is not the right flavor. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, and so basically my brother, uh, his wife got uh, pneumonia, took her to the hospital. He, they stuck her in a COVID ward and put tubes down her throat, and she died. Mm. And then six months later, my brother died. I just buried him about two two months ago oh. uh, from brokenheartedness. So this is a common thing that's been going on. Uh, when I was 13, I had a broken nose. They tried, took me to the hospital. My dad took me to the hospital. They tried to say my neck was broken. My dad said, no, he's walking in. Now he's walking out. And they had seven doctors threatening him with child abuse. And my dad said, you do what you got to do. I'll do what I got to do. And he didn't say it nicely. And he took me home. And then he took me to UCLA in the morning, and the doctors called all the students in, put the x-rays up, and they said, this kid's going to be a tall kid. This curvature in his spine is not a break. He's going to be tall. Don't okay. ever make this mistake. Hmm. So there's a lot of stuff that has just gone corrupt. It's all about money that they're chasing, which is mammon. Is this, and this and, is, and, is these, all these things that happened sort of during the COVID thing, was that involved in why you think some of these decisions were made? Well, uh, my cousin, uh, who's highly educated, both my cousins from Woodland Hills, highly educated, UCLA, Santa Barbara, and uh, they had people they know in the hospitals, and they went into a hospital with with uh, people, and they knew some people there, and they said, I'm not supposed to say anything, but you need to get out of here. Have you taken so those up? Lot- have you said any of this stuff to the hospital administrators? They always have an ombudsman and somebody that you can complain to. Have you done that? I, I haven't said anything. I don't go to hospitals, mainly because of what my father taught me, because he was raised on a farm, and uh, they do things differently. They shoot you and, when you break your leg? I'm just kidding. Well, that would be different. That would be different. <laughs> yeah. I would go into something like that, but as far as somebody, you know, uh, holding me and saying, you're sick, no, I'm getting up and walking out, you All know, right. and my, my father taught me that. All right, Ted. You know what I would suggest to you is, uh, you know, with these things you're saying is write it up and send it into those hospitals because you never know. There might be lots of other people. You know, things happen. And and most of the time, people in our hospitals are doing a great job. But I've known some administrators who have been involved in some pretty serious problems of decisions that are made that shouldn't be made. And uh, people need to know about it. Amen. Uh, So I think that would be okay. Ted, thanks for your call. And uh, always listen to Southern California Live. David, are you back? Yes, sir. They're going to be here in 20 minutes. She's going to drop them off for a few minutes. All right. I got to talk kind of fast. You know, David, uh, this isn't the best format, you know, for answering what you have are pretty serious questions. But, um, and David, if you just joined us, he called and he's talking about 
his daughter is uh, not being a good mom to his grandkids. How old are your grandkids? Eight. The boy is eight. He's artistic. And the girl is six. Okay. Five. Uh, is there a father involved or a boyfriend or somebody? Not at all. Uh, she's had all kind of guys that sprayed stuff yeah. in a boy's face. And, and you said uh, social social workers are already involved? Yes. All right. You know, what I would do is, you know, and I'm not the expert here, okay, but you got to protect those grandkids. And if you think they're in physical danger, okay, because of what's happening, you got to ask what's the loving thing to do. And it might be the loving thing to do uh, is to get involved. And you know what? You're right. Maybe those kids go into foster care, and then you got to pray that they get good foster parents. It's It's a hard thing you're looking at. But, you know, let's say that she does something to really harm one of those kids. Then how are you going to feel about it? I was hoping instead of a foster care, I could keep a kid. I, or maybe you can make that. Maybe you can make that case. So what I or would. Or the grandmother. Yeah, you know what? I think you need to look into how to do that. Maybe you just ask your daughter um, if you can care for them while she gets some care. Are you capable of oh, doing that? I, I I tried all of that. Yeah. She was hollering and screaming. She's she blames everybody except herself. Yeah, I know. You it's know, a, it's he, a complicated thing, but I think you got to look to the interests of those kids and the possibility and the hope that uh, your daughter will be will get help uh, and the kind of help that she needs. Um, probably she's not going to be able to take care of the kids too well uh, during that period. Right. Of time. Can I, can I pray for you? I just want to ask God for wisdom because obviously I don't know all the details and you've got a hard decision to make. Um, the, I, the Bible tells us to pray and ask God for wisdom. Okay. Can I call you next Friday? Yeah. I, I appreciate yeah, Call me next praying. Friday and tell me what's, uh, what's happening. Can I pray for you? And then we'll take a little break. Thank you. Right. Yes, God, yes, I pray for David and the situation with his daughter and his grandkids. And God, I ask that you give David wisdom. I pray that he would be responsive to that, that you would listen, that he would listen to you. And that right now, he would have insight uh, into what to say to his daughter when she comes over, how to take care of these grandkids. I pray, Lord, for their protection. I pray for his daughter's healing and that everybody would make wise decisions. And I pray that you give David the strength to do what is right, that he is able to listen to his daughter and have good judgment of the decision that he makes. I ask, Lord, for wisdom for David in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, David, you can also write me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I will. Thank you so very much. All right. Thank you, David. All right. We'll pray for you this afternoon. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrier, your host. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Friday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. It is Open Line Friday. Uh, We have a sound effect for that. Where is that? There it is. It's just a very simple ta-da. We'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. I want to talk about a couple of messages that you've sent. You can also, you can call at 888-528-2557. You can always email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Um, Naomi called and uh, wanted to say that somebody told her that Jesus' father was not God and wondering if you've heard that from anywhere. Naomi, I'm not sure the, the context, but uh, as Christians, we believe that 
uh, Jesus is the Son of God, okay, the Christmas story. And I encourage you to go read it. Go read the uh, first couple of chapters of Matthew and Luke. And uh, that's the Christmas story. Always good to refamiliarize yourself with what the Bible actually says, because some things get a little bit confused. That's why with my, uh, you know, the wise men were not at the nativity. Did you know that? Uh, people forget that. You get the nativity scene, and you have it in your house somewhere. You probably have it at your church, and there's the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. And uh, then you got these wise guys standing there, the wise men. And uh, the truth is, is the wise men didn't show up for a couple of years. And uh, that and the Bible's clear on that. In fact, there are, there are carvings in some ancient um, works of art that actually show the wise men coming to visit Jesus, and Jesus is a two-year-old sitting on Mary's lap. Super interesting. So what we always did, and we did this in my church for the, uh, the wise men, is that we'd have them like on the other side of the church, the other side of the sanctuary or somewhere else, and people would say, who are these? Well, they're the wise men. They're on their way, but they're uh, not going to arrive for a while. One of the things that you'll, you need to read is the story about how Mary is going to conceive of the Holy Spirit and how Joseph is told of this conception and that Mary would be pregnant. And he knows he's not the dad, and he was thinking of divorcing her quietly, and he is convinced not to do that uh, by the angel. Um, it's very, very important that you understand this idea. You might be hearing from somebody who is uh, of another faith. If you are Muslim, for example, you don't believe that God has a son, Okay. Uh, says so, I think, believe it says so, right on the top of the Dome of the Rock, uh, where the uh, Jewish temple would be in Jerusalem, uh, the very top of it, it says, God has no son, which I find to be particularly interesting. Uh, It's a denial of Christ uh, and uh, Christ being God. So Naomi, um, Jesus's father, is God. Uh, Joseph would have been his adopted father. We don't know a lot about him. He would have considered him his dad. I'm sure he would have grown up with him in in that way. Um, and obe- being obedient to him as well. But uh, go read the first couple of chapters, the Christmas story in Matthew and Luke in your Bible, and you can familiarize yourself with all of that. And then there's an awful lot of um, there's an awful lot of um, theology about that that matters greatly to our faith. You know, it's we shouldn't be afraid of doctrine and theology. I think that we've sort of lost the the understanding of why we need that, that we have a faith that isn't something that just comes to us um, in a book that some guy wrote, okay? We have a book that was written by 40 different people or so over 1,500 years that all comes together. It's miraculous. And over different times, different cultures that all point to the same story in Jesus Christ— and the the main things that we believe as Christians, you know, there are some things that, that Christians will differ on because there's a different way of interpreting uh, some things in Scripture, but Christian churches agree on the basic things. And the biggest thing I think that's important is that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that he died on the cross for your sins, that there was no other way to pay the penalty of your sins in such a way that you could have a right relationship with God, that the the way that you have righteousness is because Jesus lived a perfect life that you couldn't live, and you get credit for it by faith, by trusting God that his word is true, and that what Jesus accomplished on the cross was the payment for your sins. He rose again from the dead, giving you Uh, hope that there truly is victory over death. And we believe he rose from the grave because people saw him and it changed the world. I mean, that's, that's really where you start too. If you're, if you're listening and you're not a Christian and maybe you're turned off by some of the things Christians have done on social media or some of the things that, 
um, some Christians are, are certainly guilty of. Um, the answer is the resurrection. Go find out if Jesus came back from the grave, if he came up out of the grave. Look at that through history. You know, can you, you prove it? No, you don't have a time machine and you can go sit there. But the evidence sure does say that something happened. The evidence sure does say that the entire world changed because a group of people who knew for a fact whether or not it was true or false believed and spoke about the resurrection of Jesus. And the stories that are in your Old Testament, the story of, of the prophets, the stories that are then in your, your New Testament leading up to all of that, it points to who Jesus is, to his deity, to his person, to who what his character is and what he accomplished. All of it is there. And that's the, the study of doctrine and theology that I think every Christian should do. Most of it's not that hard. Some of it's pretty hard. Okay, not going to lie. Some of it's it's there's a lot of work, but most of it is really not that hard if you get into the scripture and you've got a good teacher. And I think most people are very capable of understanding some pretty deep things. And the more you understand about what the Bible says about Christ, about how what the Bible says about history and where it fits and all of the stuff, the more confidence you have in your faith, because it's really hard to believe that it's not true eventually. I mean, look at the news today. Look, read your whole Bible and read about where it's all headed. History is is barreling toward everything the Bible says uh, in the book of Revelation and in Old Testament books about the second coming in Matthew 24 and 25. You know, we're, history is headed in that direction. It is very clear. And all of this stuff that we're talking about, the things that are confusing in our day and age and, and the difficulties, all of that stuff, if you know your, your doctrine, you know your theology, it's actually not confusing at all. It makes perfect sense. 888-528-2557. George, welcome to Southern California Live. George, go ahead. Oh, good evening. Thank you for taking my call. How are you this evening? I'm fine. How are you? Just, I'm doing okay. Just have a minute or so, so go ahead. Okay, it just crossed my mind. I wanted to put the question out there. America is adopting a very, very liberal abortion policy. How uh-huh. where, how long before they adopt a euthanasia policy? Because a number of countries have done that. Yeah, well, we're already headed that way, right, with assisted suicide uh, laws and a lot of conversation about, you know, What's too old to have certain medical procedures done, for example? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's not a necessarily wrong question on its own, right? I remember there was a, a few years ago when the Obamacare, the healthcare debate was going on, and President Obama um, suggested, should we be giving a hundred year old people pacemakers and spending all the money to give them a pacemaker? And, you know, I think that's a legitimate question, right? But the issue is who decides that, the government, your insurance company, or the family, right? I mean, that's Uh, that's where it gets pretty complicated, right? And if the government is going to mandate you don't get one at 100, well, okay, but what about 90? How about 80? What if you need one at 70, right? I mean, where do you draw the line? It's it's an issue. So I think that... uh, we're we're heading toward a time where basically the idea that we don't have respect for life in general means yeah. that when people are too old or they are too um, unable to to participate in the society in a productive way, whoever defines what that is, then maybe we're going to be more comfortable in just getting rid of them. Uh, and I think it's wrong. Yes. I I do too. You know, I don't think it's necessarily wrong for a family to get together and say, you know, great grandma. Maybe we don't make give her the uh, pacemaker when she's a hundred. 
right? I mean, I think that people can make that decision. I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Um, but, you know, who makes that decision and how it gets made? You know, is there a respect for life uh, or not? Um, that that begins to be something that's eroded, and it is eroding in our country for sure. Yes. Well, if you have an advanced directive yeah. um, regarding end-of-life care, that's one thing. But I think when the government and the insurance companies get together, um, it could be quite catastrophic. Yeah, well, you know, it, to, it becomes about know. money, and, um, you know, it's uh, it's a bad deal. I appreciate your call. Is it George? Yes. All right, George, thanks for calling Southern California Live. That's a good topic for another day, that whole thing. You know, how do you make those kinds of decisions? Do you have an advanced directive? Do you do that? I don't have one. I should have one. Uh, usually when you get in the hospital for something, they ask you. It's the first thing they ask you if you got one. Um, I got to tell you, with though family members, people I know, it, it saves a lot of heartache and difficulty if you've got all that decided. And uh, really, nobody's too young because you never know what's going to happen. Um, and you, you want to be the one making that decision, not the insurance company or the, uh, or the government. That's my opinion anyway on that. Hey, everybody, uh, lots going on here at, at the station. I want to encourage you to go to your radio station website, kkla.com, if you're in Los Angeles and listening on 99.5 or kprz.com if you're in San Diego. Some fun stuff to do for Christmas, a couple of contests. And uh, in L.A., there's a great one that's about uh, if you've got a wish, something that you, you need from somebody um, through Speak Joy, you can submit a Christmas wish. Maybe somebody needs some help. Maybe you want to meet somebody's wish and uh, grant their wish. And there's some people who are putting in some pretty serious stories about some needs that they have. And it's a great way for listeners to come together and meet each other's needs. So check that out. And you know what? You know some people maybe who have some needs. You can do that kind of thing on your own if there are people you know with tremendous needs. That is uh, a very powerful thing to do this Christmas, to remember that it's always better to give than to receive and how true that is. Lots of opportunity with that. All right. Uh, what did I say? Oh, I was going to say uh, Kristen Sinema. She resigned uh, from the Democratic Party to become an independent. Does that change things in the Senate? Well, not really, because uh, she's still going to caucus with the Democrats, and so it's not as big a story as you might think. Uh, so we'll just leave it there because we're out of time for today. Thanks for being a part of our show today. I'll be back with you on Monday. We're together every day from 3 to 5 right here on Southern California Live. God bless you. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday.